Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and today we are changing things up. You are used to me interviewing the guest, and today I brought one of my dear friends, Pam Ross, onto the show to interview me. And you're probably asking, why, Kristen? Where is this coming from? Well, we actually were going to do this conversation back in January. Uh, Pam and I were both talking and brainstorming and creating and thinking about things like we both love to do. And I realized, you know what, it would be great to be able to have someone interview me because I'm asking questions all the time, helping people to get the get to know the guests better. But sometimes people listening to the podcast, you perhaps haven't gotten a chance to know me on a deeper level and what I'm all about and why I'm so passionate about this work that I'm creating in the world. And Pam and I have known each other for almost 10 years now, I think. And a beautiful human. She's doing incredible work in the world. You've heard me interviewers as well. And she's all about making work awesome and is an awesome human being. So I'm really excited to be able to hand the mic over. And Pam, it's your turn to do the interviewing today. Yay. I am so excited to be here. Like you said, Kristen, we've been talking about this for months and and kind of had to had to delay a little bit. But I've listened to so many of your episodes and you're so generous with the the sharing through those guests and like and and helping to really show their brilliance and I am so excited to hopefully do a small part in helping the world to realize yours because there's so much magic and just so so much wisdom in everything that you do so I it's an honor to do this um and yeah so thank you so much for having me should I dive into some questions let's dive in and thank you I just have to say even already my heart is feeling so full and I'm receiving that fully so thank you Pam um and I was as I was coming I was also thinking like even just the name I was thinking like what makes Kristen special and I truly like I feel inspired every time I leave a conversation with you. So uh, the name of your podcast is so, so suitable. And I wanted to start with something that I find really inspiring, which is your mission. Can you share what is your mission mm-hmm. that you're to bringing to the world? Mm, yes. Thank you for asking this question. I get so lit up and excited every time I'm asked it. So, and I always, I I say, when I think about a mission, I think it's a work in progress and it's constantly evolving. And this is where I've been, I would say over the last two or three years, really feeling into and owning this mission. And the mission I would describe is that I feel like I've been put on this earth to raise consciousness globally by humanizing the workplace and transforming leaders. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I want to dive into what that means. Uh, I know you and I are both fans of the commitments of conscious leadership and that sort of thing. But can you describe to your audience, like, what does it mean to raise consciousness? What does that look like? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. So I would hear these different quotes that would talk about change always starts on the inside in order to be able to do what you want to do out there. It always has to start with you. And I hear that over and over again with different people. I remember Gandhi had a quote that I love. I think his is very much about talking about change always starts from within. Um, But many other spiritual teachers, thought leaders um, throughout the throughout the years, like it's a consistent message that I always heard. And I remember even the Dalai Lama, when he would talk about compassion, 
he would say like compassion always has to start with the human. Like you have to start with your own level of self-compassion and it starts from the inside out. So I would hear it over and over and over again, but I would still say, yeah, but I still want to just change the world. And can't we just bypass that and fast forward? And why is there, why is this so much, this stuff, this stuff that's continuing to go on in the world. And Pam would know that, that I'm really passionate about inclusivity and everything around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that everybody should have the, the same um, access to things. And I kept on saying, I'm like, that, that I want to get into doing action. I'm a doer. And that feels like it's a little bit slow. And but my, my work and, and my inward journey was about recognizing that all the doing is beautiful, but until you really connect and do the being and find out who you are and what truly matters to you and how you might be getting in your way and how you might be almost not as effective of doing what you're doing in the world because the energy that it's coming from is actually not as it's a bit too chaotic it's not a grounded and centered energy i started to really recognize okay now i really get this and and i went on to my my mindfulness journey and then consciousness started with conscious parenting as a parent when i became a parent um, almost 12 years ago i really gravitated towards dr shafali's work around conscious parenting which also same message again we're not here to fix our children. Our children are to mirror back ways that we can fix ourselves. So again, the message was coming over and over again. And I realized, okay, so this is my work. Like I need to do my transformation and really understand um, to speak to conscious, the 50 commitments of conscious uh, leadership. Am I above the line or am I below the line and recognizing all the ways because I'm perfectly human inhuman, <laughs> and that there's lots of times that I am operating below the line. And I acknowledge that I celebrate that because there's always opportunity to evolve and grow. And so as I continue down my journey, I recognize I'm now super passionate about helping others go on that same journey. Their version of course is going to look a little bit different, but ultimately it's all of us starting on that inward journey and doing it with tons of grace, tons of self-compassion. And as we do that, the way we show out outwardly with every single person that we interact with it changes. Like every single time we have an interaction, that person is not the same person they were before you spoke to them because of the way that you are in that conscious leadership and the presence that you have. And then that's the ripple effect. Mm, I was picturing, I was exactly picturing those ripples when you were saying that, like picturing those every interaction and imagine if you could leave every interaction with them feeling more positive, with feeling that there was light in the world, with like, all, you know, that's an amazing kind of vision. Yeah, thank wow. you. Thank you. And when you said that, Pam, it made me even think um, it's recognizing like we all know what it looks like to be seen and heard. Like imagine if we could try to make every person like be fully present with them and make them feel seen and heard. I know. I don't know about you, Pam, but I know what I feel. And I'm just like overflowing when I'm in that presence of somebody really making me feel seen and heard. Yeah. And I, I mean, having been your friend for 10 years and also been you know, we've done things like masterminds together where I've received like on the spot coaching from you. I've even called you, I think in the past saying like, I, I need some coaching. Like I'm, I'm, and the way you are able to listen and the way you're able to ask like such thoughtful questions that really make me question. There is a, there's a specific question that you asked me one time you, you probably won't, you probably ask these like such defining questions all the time. So it, it won't stand out to you, but you asked me a question. Um, it was something like, what if that's not the role that your mother is supposed to play in your life? Like, what if it's a different role? Cause we were talking about some like family things and it honestly completely changed how I show up with my family every day, the level of patience I have, the level of um, just 
kindness and compassion I have when it, my expectations weren't being met in the past. And now I've let go of those expectations. So like having been on the receiving end of that deep listening and feeling seen and heard and like getting, having that coaching from you is, ab you talk about transforming leaders, like absolutely transformational, transformational. <laughs> so thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. And I, I also want to, um, to acknowledge you, Pam, in that I think why it's always so incredibly transforming for you is because how you show up with such an appetite of curiosity, right? So some people might hear that question and be like, what? I don't want to be with that question. I don't, I, there's, there's some internal reflection and exploration and introspection that comes with the question. And you're so quick to jump on and be open and be willing and to be with that introspection and really listen to, because it's not just the head, right? It's dropping down into the heart and being in that space. Yeah. I hear you say that a lot, dropping down into your heart. What, like, what does that mean? Yeah. And the other question that's coming to mind for me is, you know, both of us work in like have similar missions. My, you know, mine's more focused on like in the workplace and, and improving work. Um, but we do end up in discussions with leaders who aren't always that self-aware. And you talk in your podcast all the time about cultivating self-awareness. And so first question is like, what does dropping into the heart mean? But second question I don't want to forget is like, what do you do when you are working with a leader who maybe isn't as open or self-aware? Like, how do you deal with that? Mm, really two really good questions. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I always play around with that language because I know some people, depending on where they are in their journey, when they say that, like Kristen drop from your head into your heart, they're like, what do you even mean? Like, that's very new agey. And so I always try to play with different ways of saying it, which ultimately it's bringing yourself into your body. And I think everyone understands that. Like we have a body, the body notifies us, gets our attentions, doing lots of things. But what I notice so often, and, and listen, I'm someone who can struggle with this sometimes as well. Like I'll notice if I'm, there's too much overthinking, I'll actually stop what I'm doing and just go outside and have a walk because I recognize I'm so much in my head. And this has also been a journey for me as well. But I think so many of us, we're just not leveraging, like this human body is so smart and intelligent. And so when we talk about emotional intelligence and the neuroscience and everything, there's, there's so much to be learned there. And what I notice so often is there's just not any time or space given to listen, to acknowledge and even pay attention to the body. So when I say um, dropping from your head into your heart, sometimes to even get into that place is taking a couple of deep breaths in the middle of your workday, and I would like to say every hour taking a couple of breaths in your workday so that you can just get more attuned and listen to your body and pay attention to what your body is telling you. Because a lot of times if something feels off, and, and I know Pam, you do a lot of this work as, as well as I do, which is helping people really get attuned to their values and their guiding principles and their mm. compass, their internal compass, it's trying to get your attention. Your body is constantly trying to get your attention when something feels off. And it's pausing to be able to, instead of plowing through, and I work with a lot of high achievers. So high achievers, they know how to plow through. They yeah. have a big container. They can take on a lot. They continue to take on. So there's no time or space. They're like, I don't have time to listen to my body. I have places to go, things to do, things to achieve, goals, which is great. I, I, I love my, my high achievers, but it can be at the expense of really being connected to themselves and the people around them, because it's like this race. And I, I say it like the race is exhausting. If you're always constantly running, running, running to the next thing, how can you truly feel fulfilled and really connected to yourself and the people around you? If you're not really operating fully, it's like you're using half of your body. It's like you're in your head mm -hmm. and you're not using the rest of your body, which could be yeah. leveraged in, in so many amazing ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. And what about that second question about when you 
find yourself in a coaching conversation or you're facilitating a session with a group of leaders and you find a like this is kind of a blind spot but like further than that like almost resistance to um what they're sensing or what what's being told maybe it's resistance to feedback or whatever how do you deal with that like what's the what's your magic there yeah. So I think that the interesting part is just starting off with like, where's this resistance coming from? Like there's discomfort, mm-hmm. um, tapping into curiosity. What's this discomfort here to, to teach you. Right. So there's, um, and it's reminding me of your other question. I think these will both, um, it, it threads in nicely is our, when we're triggered by somebody else, those triggers, so whether it be something else or a situation or something that presents itself, because even when I say it's a situation, there's usually always humans in the situation, right? So it tends to be around the other people, but people or a situation, when we're triggered like that, I always say, and listen, I don't always think it's easy, but the people who trigger us the most are our best teachers. There's so Mm -hmm. much rich data there to look into. And so what I notice a lot of when, when people are really triggered by others is because, and you said this a little bit earlier in our conversation, it's because their own expectations and they're expecting that person to do and be something that they can't be in that moment for them. And, and so much of the, the leadership journey and our own internal journey is recognizing we can never control the people out there, the only people we can actually ultimately control ourselves. And sometimes that's about surrendering and letting go. And I, it, so many clients have said, what do you mean? Like, I sur- and it's funny, they even start to think about like, this is like the war and I'm surrendering and I can't surrender. I'm like, oh, well, you're already making it a war. So that's not good. Like we're already like, it's between you and that other person. It's this war and somebody wins. Well, that tells me right away that you're an ego, right? So we want to get out of ego and recognizing we surrender and we let go and we stop controlling other people, not because we're letting them get away for, for get away with something. It's for our own. <laughs> it's a, for our own peace of mind and for our own, um, functioning in the world because we can't, we can't, we can't control, we can't control everybody else. We can't, we can control how we show up and try to create a a space in a container that makes them more likely to show up as their best selves. But even if, if, even if you do try to show up as your best self, um, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to show up as their best selves because they're doing the best they can with what they have and the tools that they have. And they don't necessarily have the same tools in their toolkit as we have. And that's where I think we're really, this is what compassion looks like. Compassion's not the easy people. Compassion's not the individuals who are just like us. Compassion are the people who are not like us, who are different places in their journey. They're in different places on the spectrum. And this is hard. We accept that and we don't try to change them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that acceptance is sometimes the hardest part and um, kind of letting go of it, it all. I keep on going back to that expectation piece, right? It's like, what am I expecting? And when our expectations aren't met, it's hard to accept, but that acceptance piece is so important. Yeah. Um, okay. You talked a little bit about your journey in answering my question about your mission. And I'm curious about like, have there been, I always find, I don't always, I often find that there are defining moments, like really, like if you could pinpoint like, oh my goodness, almost like sliding door moments that like you went one way or something happened to cause you to like all of a sudden uncover a blind spot or recognize something or do something totally different. I'm curious what defining moments have happened in your past that really helped you get here? Wow. That's such a beautiful, delicious, big question. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's been, like you said, there's been many sliding door moments. I think it's, um, you know, if I think about along the journey, it's been times where when you were talking earlier about resisting, I stopped resisting and I paid attention and I listened to, and I'm going to talk the heart piece again too. I listened to what my heart was saying, as opposed to what I think I should do, what other people were doing, what I saw around me. And 
you know, it, to me, it's about taking courageous action and, and courage is one of my strong values, um, fierce courage. And to me, fierce courage is about really listening to my truth and taking action without looking for external validation from others. And so I can look back now and see those choice moments where I let go of friendships that weren't serving me in a very beautiful, beautifully compassionate way. I just said like, hey, we're, we're in different places now. Um, I didn't have the, I couldn't articulate back, at, back in the day that that's what I was doing. But what I recognized I was doing is there were these values and there was these guiding principles that were, for me, come from my heart that we're saying what feels right, what doesn't feel right, and then continuously listening to them. So listening them to when I would drop a friendship, listening when I had to be curious and recognize my journey was going to look a little bit different when it came to my career and career development. So I, I back in the day, I felt it was hard when I would be surrounded by friends who knew they wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or an accountant, and their career path was all very clear. It wasn't like that for me. I thought it was going to be because I thought I wanted to be a teacher, and then I did it in co-op. Um, and for people, I talked to someone in the U.S., and they haven't heard of co-op when I was talking to her about this. So back in high school, I did a, a work term, and I went into a grade two classroom and did teaching. What I loved about it were those little kids and the impact that I could have. What I didn't love about it is there was too much routine. I couldn't like, I, I needed to be able to like bigger and bolder and go where I want. And I didn't want to have bureaucracy and this is how it has to look like. I felt very contained. I felt very controlled. So then when I started to go into university, I, I did a very um, simple undergraduate, you know, sociology and psychology so that I could just keep it very open. But I, I want to acknowledge that it was it was a bit of a struggle back then because I wasn't very clear on what was that career path. It had to it zigged and it zagged and it had to do a lot of experimenting and trial and error. And and I did work with people. I worked with career coaches back in the day and um, got them to ask me different questions so that I could get a little attuned to what was true for me and what was showing up as I weave into all of those which is funny when I look back now, um, back in grade, I guess, grade 11, grade 12, I did an entrepreneurship course, did really well in it and loved it. And there was a fire back then, like my 18 year old self knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know exactly what that version looked like. My entrepreneur version is not, I'm going to start a big, you know, I'm going to be a startup and have all these people working for me and be, you know, create this um, organization with lots of different people working for me. But there was a knowing that I wanted to create my reality. Like I wanted to create something, but it wasn't quite formulated. And mm -hmm. so I think another um, really big one for me was when I started to hear that whisper got louder and louder and louder. And I would always, I remember the first time I met you, Pam, like 10 years ago, I'm like, tell me more about this whole entrepreneur thing and what made you do it? And how did you know? And what was that moment that you did? It? And I kept on without realizing it, interviewing entrepreneurs, whenever I would speak to them and ask them like, when did you take that leap of faith? And how did you know it was right to take the leap of faith? And I was getting myself ready because I knew unconsciously that it was coming and it was time. And, and so the biggest one for me, I would say would be just about five years ago now, when I took that leap of faith to become an entrepreneur and really, really have faith and trust in myself and um, without having everything laid out for me and just be with the uncertainty, but just have such a strong inner knowing that it was right. Once I did that one, it feels like I keep doing this over and over and over again, because that's probably been the biggest one for me. And I recognize like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, so it doesn't go exactly like you thought it was going to go. That's okay. And so that's been, that's been one of the, the biggest ones. And I'm so grateful to me for listening and taking action. Yeah. Okay. I love that you said that grateful to yourself. It's so interesting because, um, I started noticing this a couple of years ago. I would, when people ask like, you know, how are you being able to be successful in such a like competitive field? And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm just really fortunate. I'm really lucky that I have great clients or, and 
it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I realized like, wait a second. No, I am. I am really grateful to myself for doing this stuff really well to, to, uh, you know, and for always learning and growing and creating. And so I love that you said that. And I actually had planned to ask a question about your courage, because that is one of the things that I always stands out to me when I think about you. I think inspiring. I think courageous. I think like really, really curious and thoughtful with your question, like game changer. But the courageous piece has been standing out a lot to me. Um, So, uh, you know, I have wanted to do a podcast for years, but I can't find the courage in myself to actually ask people to be guests. So I've been watching and being so inspired as you are, you know, having amazing guests on the podcast, you are speaking on global stages, you are really putting yourself out there. And to me, it all comes down to courage. And so I would love to know, like, have you always had that courage? Or what has really helped you to step into that courage and not be like you talked about, like doing it for yourself and not worrying about others? Like what helped you get to that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question and, and something that I continue to, to grow. And I think it's for me, um, what would have been getting, so did, did I always take the action? No, for sure. There were times where I kept myself safe and I think even the entrepreneur piece, right. I had to get to a place where I felt, um, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And for me, what's, what's helped me to tap in more and more to this courage, a couple of things. I think one is recognizing that life is so short. Like we have no idea. Like I love that we're having this conversation right now in this moment. I don't know what the next hour looks like. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what next week, next month, next year. And there's been some things in that have happened in in our life um, with my my husband and and him being diagnosed with an illness. But that was recent. That was in 2020. I I think this has been something that I've been more and more conscious of through my mindfulness journey. And again, this is I can't recommend meditation enough because meditation is so multifaceted with the gifts. And one of those gifts has been for me to really really be in the present moment more and more and more and more. I'm not in the past. I'm not in the future. And, um, I, I just do it more often. And so recognizing how short life can be and that we don't know when we're going to have an opportunity to do things again, it's, it's made me really conscious of what's the worst thing that can happen, right? If I reach out to somebody and, um, yeah, I'll say right now in this podcast, cause maybe you, my listeners could help. I recognize I really want to have Adam Grant on my podcast. And I thought, what do I have to lose? Right. So I reached out to Adam and I said, listen, I know people are reaching out to you all the time, but that's not going to stop me. I'm not going to use that as a barrier to not reach out as well, because maybe I'm going to be that person that you're going to say, you know, I'm going to give Kristen a chance. I am going to go on her podcast. Who knows, right? But Adam, if you're there, I would love to have you on my podcast so badly. I just love what you're doing and creating in the world. But yes, as an if you're example, listening to yes. this, make sure you share. Yes. Share, Adam share. Part of it. You are connected to Adam Grant in some way. You go talk to Adam and you get him on this podcast. Yes. But as an example, like, what do I have to lose? Like, what do I have to lose to go to go and ask that? Um, and, and so I think what I've become more and more conscious of is like, again, life is too short. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold myself back from doing things based on one of my old saboteurs who of course likes to show up whenever she can, whenever she feels like it, which is the people pleaser. So the mm-hmm. people pleaser would not do things and take the courageous action based on what others might think. Um, needing to get external validation, needing to prove myself to others. And I, I really started to uh, create a lot of distance with that saboteur now and, and really recognize when she's showing up. And, and, and so it's, it's to me in terms of the growth and the journey is going to be when I start to think about taking courageous action letting myself get even bolder with bigger courageous action. It's kind of like, okay, I'm here now at this level of the courageous action. What does it look like for me to like 
really up level the courageous action that I'm taking because I'm getting at a, at a place where, uh, again, I'm, there's just, there's no judgment. And if something doesn't, I don't see it being as a failure. If something, if I go out there and do something and it doesn't go exactly like I thought it would, that's okay. There's learning and growth that comes from it. So there's no feeling anymore of failure, um, Mm -hmm. less and less, less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You may not have gotten the outcome you wanted. You got the lesson you needed maybe at different times. Right. I can't, I don't know who said that, but someone said that and it stuck with me. Um, you talked about that saboteur and one of the things you talk about on your podcast is uncovering blind spots. What has been a blind spot that you've uncovered over your leadership transformation? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, great question. Thanks for asking it. It's, it's my default is to be the doer who is in action, who has high drive and a blind spot for me can be patience. So like, I want everything to have happened yesterday. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's make things happen. Like, let's pull everyone together. And I I have to um, pace myself and recognize not everybody else (laughs) operates at the same pace as I do. (laughs) And I'm not the only thing that's going on in their world, right? So there's lots of other things that could be on their plate that's happening over there as well. So what I try to do more of when things are, um, where things aren't moving as quickly as I want to is like, oh, the patience is here to tell me when I notice I'm too attached to outcome and want things to happen too quickly. It's an indicator to me that I'm too into doing, and I need to come back to the being and just Mm -hmm. slow down. And like the, the patience is just a self-created impatience. It's not even real. Like I've created Mm -hmm. it. So like, Oh, is this working for me right now? Is this feeling good? Not so much. So I probably am going to detach myself from this and just slow down and come back to the being. And whenever I do that, the patience, the impatience dissolves quite quickly and I recognize it's just an old, it's an old paradigm. It's an old part of me that feels like ultimately underneath it is that it's approving myself, needing to accomplish things. Once I do this, then I'll feel good. And I, it's not true. I, I know that's not true. So it's just recognizing it's an old conditioning showing up and trying to bring myself back, but definitely patience. And patience in certain capacity, like, so I I find that I can have like really good patience for my kids, um, really good patience for my clients and my friends. And whenever it's stuff where I'm being with someone and in connection, then I have all the patience in the world. It tends to be when I'm like going out there and trying to achieve something and wanting to make it happen like really, really quick. And I recognize that like, oh, it's not the destination, it's the journey. So like, you're trying to like, you're trying to bypass the fun of the journey. So it's actually like taking away a gift when I do that. Yeah. And it's like the patience for yourself. Like you're so generous with your patience with others and bringing that generosity back to yourself. Yes. Mm, Love that. Um, I, I, I have, oh my gosh, I have so many questions. So, okay. You mentioned, uh, what's been happening with your husband over the past six months, say, right. I'm curious how your consciousness journey helped you when he was diagnosed with an illness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm incredibly grateful that all of the tools that I use with my clients, I had available to myself because I'm really am integrity is also a really strong value for me. So it's, it's actions and words need to match. And I'm always trying to help leaders and organizations do that. Like your actions Mm -hmm. are saying one thing, your words, another. So I really had to do that. So a, a couple of things show up for me when you say that. One is I made sure that self-care was a high priority. And I actually remember our podcast conversation that was supposed to happen in January. Mm. I reached out to you and I said, um, I'm going to have to postpone this. And I hadn't gone to the stage where I was announcing what was going on in our, in our, our life with my husband. Um, but I said, I just need to make self-care a priority right now. And so I really li- lived and breathed that self-care and, and made sure the weekends I was taking care of myself, really honoring boundaries. And the other thing that I learned in a powerful way, and I talk a lot about this with the emotional intelligence piece 
is I know what that looks like and what that feels like to have the contrast of holding two different emotions at the same time. And so a lot of times in this journey, um, I could be feeling so much compassion and perhaps sadness for my husband and what he's experiencing and the pain emotionally, physically, um, spiritually that he was experiencing. I could be holding that in one part of me. And at the same time, something incredibly beautiful could have happened with a client, with a speaking engagement, with training. And my heart was like full with that. And I was holding both of those and it was okay. Like there wasn't anything that was me telling myself, well, I'm not allowed to feel this way. Like I'm not allowed to feel this joy I'm experiencing with this client right now. Um, because I should be feeling only sadness and remorse or whatever for what my husband is experiencing right now. I just let it be like, I let, I let both of them be there at the same time. I didn't judge. And I also made a conscious effort to create space for all feelings to emerge. So if there was sadness or anger or frustration or overwhelm, um, so I made a, a conscious choice to, um, to not do any of the things that I previously would have done when it comes to numbing. So I, I wasn't drinking alcohol and I continue to this day now, I, I'm no longer a drinker. I, um, I wasn't going on social media all the time. Like any of those things that might be my go-to for numbing, mm-hmm. I didn't use them because I just wanted to give space for whatever emotions needed to emerge. And sometimes it wasn't about sadness. Sometimes it was about anger. And I, I, I've t- I told this story to a couple of people. Um, There was just a day where, you know, um, Jeff was having a hard day and I was having a hard day and it wasn't because of him because I can control my own emotions, but I was feeling a lot of anger and we were in isolation. It was like total quarantine at that time. So you don't have as much freedom. And it was winter. And I'm like, so what am I going to do here? And I'm like, okay, this, so I, I, so what I did is I closed my eyes. And I asked myself, what do I need right now? And just took a couple of deep breaths so I could get at my most resourceful self and hear what it had to say. And it said, oh, you need to get in the car. You need to start driving and you need to scream as loud as you possibly can and get that all out. And I did. I, w- I went for a drive. I went in the country because I was like, I don't want to go in like a residential area and scare people if I'm in my car screaming. <laughs> and I just, um, and I even opened the windows and let the fresh air. And I did some screaming and yelling and processing and just let out what needed to be let out. And it was cathartic and it was um, deep processing. So I think one of the things I, I really applied to this situation with my husband is um self-compassion, grace, no judgments, and allow whatever needs to emerge to emerge and give myself permission to feel. Mm. I love that. I love, I just was, as you were talking about that and you're using everything you are coaching clients through teaching organizations. And my heart was feeling so full because how lucky are we to be able to do this work that actually transforms our own lives as much as we're transforming others right wow um thank you for sharing I know like I I can't imagine the you know how much not only to deal with that with your two kids who are being homeschooled during a pandemic like so much and so thank you for sharing that I have a few sort of, actually, no, before I get, I do have a few lightning round um, questions, but before I get there, I just, you talked about like, um, you know, leaving some client conversations and your heart is full. Can you give me an example? Like what's, what kind of outcomes do you get with clients or what kinds of things happen in these client coaching or uh, facilitations that you leave going, my heart is full. Tell Mm. me a little bit about that. Mm. Mm. I love this question and it makes my heart full just even thinking about it and talking about it. I can feel the resonance right now. Um, What I love the most is when clients, like I get to witness them a shift where in the shift show up, the shift show up in different ways. Um, Sometimes the shift is those times where they recognize, oh, they were making about everybody out there. And then they recognize how they were contributing to the situation and how they were showing up. 
And I can feel in that moment, it's a like full body shift. It's no longer in the head. So what I love the most with the shifts is it's no longer in text intellectualized. It's understand on a full body way. And so their world has shifted. They're now seeing the people around them a little bit differently. They're now seeing themselves differently because a big part is my gosh, all of these leaders so hard on themselves, like their expectations. They are so good to their people. They are so ready to be there for them and support them. Yet they're so hard on themselves, right? So when I start to hear them recognizing like, oh, I get to have all of that compassion that I give to others for myself. Um, when I start hearing them recognize that they've been making choices because it's based on conditioning, it's based on what others have told them about who they should be, how they should show up in the world. And they start to like really embrace their most authentic selves, show up in, in their most resourceful self and really tap into that inner leader and start operating from that place and how their whole world shifts. And they start to feel more joy and peace, right? Because a lot of times with the, 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 the high achievers, there's this feeling underneath it all that they'll come down to is like, oh, a lot of this is coming from I'm not enough and I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not valued, like not valuing themselves. And then they recognize like, I have nothing to prove. And it doesn't mean they're going to start going to work and be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything anymore, but it's who they're being, right? So it's who they're being in the world starts to really shift and the possibilities and, um, and I also love when people really start to recognize, like we were talking about earlier with the mission, like how they want to uniquely contribute because we're all here. Like that's where we feel most connected to ourselves is when we're really living and breathing our purpose and being able to contribute to something even bigger than ourselves. And when I see them like get that and recognize what it looks like for them to be in their zone of genius and really be using their gifts and talents and start to be like, really acknowledge their brilliance. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm curious, have you noticed a difference? You know, we're, we are uh, recording this in July of 2021. We've been through like 18 months of a pandemic. Have you noticed a difference in the challenges leaders are facing over the course of the pandemic from before, like what, what are you, what are you noticing as the biggest or most common things? Yeah. I think one of the big things that I've noticed is um, the coping mechanisms that were working before were not working now. Like it just got too big, right? Before they could, again, their container and their capacity, they could just take so much on. It's like, mm. it got too big. It was too much with, like you said before, their homeschooling meetings all the time, home with their significant other, feeling lonely because some people were not in that situation, right? They weren't with their friends and family and couldn't get on planes and see their friends and family. Um, they started to get much clearer on their values and it was there was a mirror reflecting it back to them in such a powerful way, right? So if I think about some of my clients, they realize like, wow, adventure is such a strong value of mine. So I understand why I'm feeling so disconnected for the last 18 months, because I haven't been able to go on any adventures and be able to travel and yeah. be able to do those things that make my heart sing. Um, so I feel like a lot of people got clear on their values and acknowledged ways that they previously were not honoring them. Um, so, so people who previously were doing commuting, they're like, I'm not doing it anymore. I refuse to spend two to three hours a day in a car commuting. So um, they started to, I, I like to talk about it as like the big reset, like for a lot of people, it's been a reset. Um, and then, so those are some of the positives on a, in terms of the reset piece and like really getting clear on their values in terms of some of the, the challenges and struggles like recognizing that for some individuals, like their, their organizations were like from a mental health perspective and their expectations, they just really weren't realistic. Like what they were expecting from people, like we're not superhumans, we're not superheroes. We are, um, we're not robots. And I don't want robots to be taking over the world for that reason, because <laughs> humans have beautiful qualities that make us human. And so I think that they recognize, like I saw a lot of burnout, like they just, they couldn't do it anymore. And 
And I don't want to put the onus all on the organization because I don't think it was in in a lot of these cases all on the organization. It was co-created. It was the organization that kept on taking more. I'm not going to say if if you can do this, but there was the individual just also really not honoring their boundaries and getting to the point where, and that they start to again, look at their values. They were, they were waiting work much higher than their own health and their family and their friends and so many other things. And um, it just wasn't sustainable. And I think also the self-leadership piece, like you can't give to others if you are not giving to yourself. So them really recognizing like, what are their needs? What do they need more of? So that they can um, take care of that in order to be able to serve and and lead and manage and coach the people around them. Yeah, so I'm hearing so much of the same. Um, okay, I have I I could ask you so many questions, um, but I'll try to just I know uh, you try to keep the conversations to a level that people can spend the time listening. Uh, we'll have to do this again, uh, or I'll one day start my own podcast and you'll be on. Kristen. I like that one. I like that one too. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so a few kind of somewhat lightning ish round, hopefully questions, one change from the pandemic that you hope continues. Um, the reset that people are saying, like are careful about what they say yes to and what they say no to. So people aren't taking on as much Mm -hmm, those boundaries. Okay. Yeah. Favorite stage you've ever spoken on. I love the disrupt HR because it's the five minutes and slides moving every 15 seconds. And it forces you to be really succinct with your message. And I'm all about disrupting. So I love challenging the status quo. So anywhere I've been on a disrupt HR stage makes me happy. Yeah. Love it. Something you've learned from a guest on your podcast that still that you keep on going back to. Mm. That's a great one. I think I learn every single time I have a guest. Um, I think that the the part that I love the most with my guests is when I ask them about their challenges and ways that they've learned and mistakes that they might have made. And I can relate to so many of them. Um, if there's going to be one, oh my gosh. I, I, I can't say one. I think it's the fact that what I'm proud of with the podcast is there's so many diverse people with diverse views. So I love learning. Oh, okay. Like another layer of my own unconscious bias that I didn't even recognize or someone coming in and talking about the LG LGBTQ plus, And then she'll say something like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even recognize, like, I didn't know that. So I think what I love most with my guests is learning about things. Um, so I remember even have, after I had one of my guests talking about LGBTQ plus, and she was really talking about why we would write she, her, or whatever our pronouns are on our, on our social media and our, our emails. And I was like, of course, why am I not doing this? Like, I would always want to do that to create more inclusivity around it. So everyone, every single one of my guests challenges me to think a little bit differently. And I always take action after them. So I'm just grateful for the action. Mm, I love that. Um, what makes work awesome for you? (laughs) When we remember that it's a whole bunch of humans and when we treat the humans really, really well and give them a place, uh, one of my podcast guests recently said this, instead of employee engagement, he said employee enrichment. And I love that. Like we create a place that enriches the humans and they get to grow and use their natural gifts and be in their zone of genius and flow and all of that kind of stuff. Well, ultimately then they go out and, and create amazing things in the world. So to me, it's when we actually create environments where people can bring their whole selves and the organization not only supports it, encourages it. Mm-hmm. I love that employee enrichment. Interesting. Um, you mentioned fierce courage as one of your values. Can you name uh, other values that you hold really, really core to yourself? Yes. Yes. Um, so fierce courage, authenticity, growth mindsets, uh, empathy, um, integrity, like integrity. I feel like all of them integrity is right at the beginning, because if I'm not in integrity, when I'm doing all of those kinds of things, 
Uh, and integrity is for me is not about what I'm doing that people are aware of. It's those every time I have a choice moment that I'm making choices that are aligned with who I am and how I want to show up in the world. Mm, I love that. One of the things we do in our values workshops is we talk about like if you found this list of values on the floor, would you know who they belong to? And I feel like if I found those, I'd be like, where's Kristen? She lost her, <laughs> she lost her list of values. They, those are so knowing you, they really, really are core. I love it. Um, favorite self-care. Favorite self-care. Um, when it's not hot outside, hot outside, I love bubble baths, um, meditation and walks in nature. Love it. What's on your vision board? Mm, what's on my current vision board? Um, yeah, something you haven't achieved yet. What's there? Well, I do have to say, and I just saw her picture yesterday on my vision board is a beautiful picture of JLo that I believe was taken when she was like 49 or 50. And yeah. I just saw her in her Instagram and she had her 52nd birthday yesterday um, to continuously. Um, so the vision of her or my Beyonce's of the world is to be that strong um, female. And when the gyms open again, I'm going to work with a personal trainer because I, just, I like to do some more like getting those muscles even stronger and like really. Um, so there's a, there's a vision around, I, I'm all about nourishing mind, body, and spirit, but I'm also like, I'm a strong woman and I want my outside to reflect that strength. So mm-hmm. a little bit more of the muscle stuff's on that vision. Um, the vision board also has me as some pictures of me speaking at other places in the world and doing a Ted talk yeah. and, um, doing cooking lessons in Italy and taking my daughter for her 16th birthday to France to celebrate her 16th birthday. So it's a, it's a work in progress. The vision board did have a pool um, probably about three years ago, five years ago that I didn't even realize this when I went back and looked at it, it looks identical to my backyard and the pool that we wow. have. now. So I do believe in vision boards. Amazing. I love that. Uh, one thing you're grateful for. I'm grateful for you in this conversation right now. Um, I'm grateful that I woke up this morning and I get to continue to live and, and hopefully put some love and light in the world. And every day that I get to do that, I'm incredibly grateful. <sighs> that sounds like a perfect place for me to stop questioning. Just let the love and light flow. Thank you, Pam, so much for doing this. I, it's just, I I can't even believe the time has flown by. It feels like two minutes became 45 minutes. And um, I just want to say again, thank you to you. When we talk about values and living and breathing those values, you do that every day as a friend, as a leader, as a mother, daughter, sister. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful for the friendship and for you to be able to take the mic and, uh, be an incredible interviewer. So I can't wait till you have your own podcast where you're doing this as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. And for everybody else in the world, listening to this conversation, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sending tons of love, and we will see you soon. Bye. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.